Murphy. And you're listening to CITR, FM 102, Keepa 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we just heard right there an alternative, an alternative version of The Witch on Norden Records. Today on the Nordward Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Little Wayne and an interview with David Johansson of the New York Dolls. To prepare you for David Johansson and Little Wayne, here are the Pale Lips from Toronto. A double shot of the Pale Lips from Toronto. We are going to hear, first off, Romaine, and we're also going to hear Don't Take Your Switchblade to New York. Thank you, Jackie, for sending these records. I really appreciate it. So here we go. Little Wayne versus me, Nardwar, the human serviette, right after the pale lips from Toronto. On the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. 
show. Show. Right now, we are going to hear an interview with, um, actually, we're going to have that double shot of the pale lips right after we hear the songs. Um, right, right, we're going to hear the interview with Little Wayne right now on an Ardboard Human Survey at Radio Show. And then we're going to hear the pale lips on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. What's up? This is Lil Wayne right here, a.k.a. Wheezy Baby. Call me what you want. Just don't call me after 12. My kids will be asleep. You are watching Nard Wars Video Fault. You dig? Who are you? Young black motherfucker named Lil Wayne from Holly Grove, USA. Lil Wayne, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Mm -hmm. Pleasure. Little Wayne, I have a gift for you right off the bat that has some Vancouver flavor, a Cheech and Chong record. Oh, shit. This was up. I appreciate this. Because Tommy Chong is from Vancouver. I know. This is some real Canadian love right here. Now, open it up there, Little Wayne. What's inside of this Cheech and Chong record? Oh, you got some rolling paper. You got some it's the rolling paper version. It's the rolling paper version. Usually, the rolling paper is gone. Yeah, I know. But I'm 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 lucky. I got some with the rolling paper in it. So I got the big bamboo Sabrinos de Cheech and Chong Alcoy, whatever that means. Now, also from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, well, Victoria is Steve Nash. Yeah, I just had Steve Nash. Uh, he made a guest appearance in my show when I was in Phoenix. Yes, you share something in common with them. You both had lap dances from Nicki Minaj. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I think his was a little better than mine because he looked a little more excited than I did. So. I need to talk to Nikki about that, but yeah, we do. What's it like getting a lap dance from Nicki Minaj, Little Wayne? Um, I've been talking to um, Webster about creating more words because there isn't any words that we have now to explain it. Mm-hmm. I heard that you like snuck up on stage. That's what Nikki said, that she didn't know you would be the lap dancer. Yeah, uh, her dancers does this routine every night where they bring this chair out. So I figured I'd just be already sitting in a chair when they bring it out. So. Yeah, it worked. Little Wayne, you're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and Vancouver's part of the Northwest, you know, Seattle and Portland. Mm-hmm. And from Seattle, Washington, I wanted to bring you a little gift here again. You can put that record down there if you'd like. <laughs> if you want to open this up, it's a little gift from an exhibition that's happening. And what is this from, Little Wayne? Oh, it's from Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Taking punk to the masses. Believe that. Smells like teen spirit. Shout out my man Kurt Cobain. You already know. Yes, it's an exhibition that's happening in Seattle, and it has all this great stuff that Kurt Cobain's been associated with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you're not going to be able to make it to Seattle, are you? I won't be able to make it, but I'm glad I got a piece of it right here in my hand. Well, I got more than that for you, Little Wayne. I got this book for you right here, Nirvana Taking Punk to the... Masses, from nowhere to never mind. All filled with amazing stuff about Nirvana and the bands that inspire Nirvana. Like, check it up. Open up. It even has the, um... It even has the, the lyrics. Lyrics, and check this out, some Kurt Cobain artwork right here. Oh, you know what, this is like a book I got before from uh, a Jimi Hendrix book. It has, um, it actually has Jimi Hendrix's art and it has his lyrics in there as well. So I'm, I collect these type of things, so this is a good thing right here. When did you first get into Nirvana? Um, when I was young, they used to have a, re- a te- television station called The Box. 
and used to uh, call the station and order a video. And Smells Like Teen Spirit used to always be on. It used to, the video would always be on, and um, you had no choice but to get into it from there. And that was in, like, 93, 92, I want to say. I don't even know. Now, I was wondering, was that around the same time, Little Wayne, that you were into Pimp Daddy? Oh, shit. What can you tell the people about Pimp Daddy? Pimp Daddy was a cash money artist, and uh, he used to have this song out called Gots To Be Real. It was a real big song. Now, this guy, Pimp Daddy, was such a classic in New Orleans and such a hit that my actual first rap name was Shrimp Daddy? Was Shrimp Daddy. And I named myself because I was short, so I took the shrimp. And I wanted to be like this guy right here, Pim Daddy. And I noticed Little Slim is on there as well. Yeah, Little Slim is on here. Little Slim is the artist that got me my, my record deal with Cash Money Records. So, Little Wayne, way back then when you want to buy a cassette, you go to Odyssey Records? What was Odyssey Records? You go to Odyssey Records right in the Carrollton Shopping Center, and you would, in the, um, on, a, on a nice day, you'd find DJ Khaled in there DJing and selling records. Did you do some in-stores there as well, Little Wayne? Uh, I actually did. I signed. I did a whole bunch of autograph signings there, and uh, I probably even performed there before. I did everything at Odyssey. Odyssey, it, 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 it was. It played a major part in Cash Money's upbringing. Little Wayne, what do these numbers mean to you? Five two two three six six zero and five one six five one five nine six fifty one zero nine. Those are babies. Uh, the last number you named that was baby's pager number. The first number you called out that was Cash Money's office number. So where would have you got these numbers? Did you get the numbers at Odyssey? Is that where you met Baby? That's where I met Baby at. That's where I got the numbers from. He gave me this card, and it had his name on there: Brian Williams, CEO, Cash Money Records, five zero four five nine six fifty one zero nine five zero four five two two three six six zero. Now, we're here in the 604, but I'm going to bring it back to the 504, Little Wayne. I have a New Orleans gift for you. This is from King Lee and Quintron. Okay. And it's called Tire Shop, this particular record. Quintron is an amazing keyboardist from New Orleans. Okay. And it's about the tire shop on Claude Avenue, the only tire shop in the Ninth Ward that stayed open during Katrina. Okay, yeah, which, which, is, which is important because people needed things like that. And what I wanted to point out was really interesting on this is a little sign. What do you see on the little sign right there that's written? <laughs> it says no laudering, no crack selling, no cat selling, no facts, no s Mr. Sam. <laughs> it's wow, yeah. And I was wondering, what is no cat selling? That's pussy, where I'm from. So the tire shop would be? The tire shop would not be allowing you to sell pussy, nor crack. No, no, no laudering. You couldn't hang out. And at the bottom of that, it says the facts. That's the facts. And if you look hard, it says NOPD. That means the police was backed up behind that. So you would call the police if there's a problem. I think that's what they're saying. Mr. Samuel, Mr. Samuel will be called. I'm, I'm guessing either Mr. Samuel ran the, he runs the tire shop, or he's NOPD. One or the other. So that's a gift for you to check out. Quintron and King Lee from the tire shop. Okay. And also wondering, Little Wayne, I know a little bit about Manny Fresh, but what about Gregory D? Oh, shit, Gregory D. Gregory D was like New Orleans' first real big hip-hop artist. You know what I mean? Like, he had this song called Buck Jump Time. Let me see if it's on here. Um, no, it's not on that one. I don't hear, but 
Let me see if he got something on here that we did know that was cool. Uh, Throwdown, I think, was pretty cool. Throwdown was big, but uh, I think it was uh, Monster Boogie and Bust Down. But, uh, yeah, like I said, Gregory D and Manny Fresh, they were two guys. They, they, um, Manny Fresh was the DJ. Gregory D was the rapper. And, like I said, they were New Orleans' first real group, hip-hop group. As you can see, they got the gold chains on. He got a watch around his, a stopwatch around his neck. He got a medallion, he got the little nylon suits on, fresh got on a Nike suit, looking real crazy back there. So, yeah. Is that the beginning of Bling? Do you think that's the first instance of Bling on a record, Lil Wayne? Um, no, I would give that to uh, somebody like uh, Big Daddy Kane, Akuma, D, uh, somebody like Slick Rick or something. They started that. Lil Wayne, what about MC Thick? MC Thick. MC Thick was an artist from New Orleans as well. He wasn't from my neighborhood, but there was this producer that he used to run with, this guy named Lil Daddy. He was from my neighborhood, so MC Thick would actually be in my neighborhood a lot. He had this song called... Uh, Rero? Rero, cruising down the street real slow, and the fellas be yelling, Rero. Lil Wayne, I'm fascinated by the artist T-Smalls and Big Balls. Who is T-Smalls and Big Balls? You're on a record by T-Smalls and Big Balls. I don't know who this is, Slime. I really don't. Hold on, I'm about to tell you right now. Hold on. You see what it says? Oh, old dimers, big timers. I don't know. I really don't know about this one right here. Because I was looking over there. T smalls and big balls. It looks like you got baby. You got me, baby. It actually, it just has me and baby. So this must have been a song that me and baby got paid. Got a little one. Got a little probably got a little seventy-five hundred dollars. Um, and did a song for whoever Fat Rap Tracks was and whoever T smalls and all them people is. Yeah. T-Smalls and Big Ball. You let you know I was hustling, brother. I don't know about their names, but I know I got paid. Little Wayne, you did this song, Trigger Man, with Currency. And what I was wondering about that, the Trigger Man beat. What can you tell the people about the importance of the Trigger Man beat by the Showboys to New Orleans? Oh, it's drag rap. Um, This beat right here. Is I I I'm trying to find a, a, a proper word. It's like the foundation of New Orleans bounce music. Uh, this song it's called Drag Rap. In New Orleans, we call it Trigger Man because he says Trigger Man like once or twice in the song. So we just thought that was the name of the song. But uh, it's originated from an old show they used to have called Dragnet, and um, they dubbed they dubbed the music from the show, and they made a song out of it and. I tell you now, it, this was in probably 1990 or something when this song popped off in New Orleans. And I lie to you not, you can play this song. In 1990, you play it, people will go bananas. You play this song right now, 2011, in New Orleans, people will go bananas. I don't know what it is about this song. I don't know what it is because I've actually been everywhere else and I asked them, do you have a song or something that just your state or your city hears and it just means everything for everyone they don't this song right here is new orleans the showboys drag rap trigger man and i love the way you give a props to them like you say showboys when you do the track with currency that's yeah. great yeah i do yeah i did right off the bat right up to the showboys yeah they was from new, they was from new york believe it or not the showboys they were from new york but we took that song and we fell in love with it man little wayne what type of food do you like pussy do you ever go to Parkway Bakery in New Orleans at all? 
Never even heard of it. Because they have like alligator po' boys. You ever had like an alligator food at all? Nah, I don't do that stuff. Even though I'm from the south, the country, or whatever you want to call it, I don't eat alligators. I don't eat none of the shit that na- natural, normal people don't eat. I don't fuck with that shit. Little Wayne, what about food? Have you ever considered or been approached by the Rap Snacks Company? Because here's some rap snacks. Miss Toy, a rapper, it was on the Up and Smokes tour. She has her own rap snacks, and the big timers had rap snacks chips too. They sure fucking did. They did. They sure did have them, man. And I actually know Miss Toy as well. <laughs> Shout out to Miss Toy, wherever she at right now. But uh, yeah, Miss Toy was a Universal artist. That's why I know. But anyway, yeah, um, Baby and them had their own chips, the big timers chips. They really did. They, they did. Sour cream and dill. I don't remember the flavor, but they had their own rap snacks. You're not lying. Yes. What about yourself, the Little Wayne? What would your flavor be if there had to be a flavor? Honestly, I want to say we probably had our own flavor, like the Hot Boys, and I think it was like Hot Chips. Yeah, I think we did. Little Wayne, Cash Money Records is quite amazing. I was so impressed that Tina Marie, Tina Marie was on Cash Money. Mm-hmm. In one of her last interviews, she gave you big props, too. What can you tell the people about Cash Money and Tina Marie? Tina Marie, I really don't know how that how that situation came about, but I know I was fascinated as hell when I found out that she was down with the family, and, you know, it just made it that more memorable, and it made it that, that much better to be a part of something like Cash Money Records and to know that I was a part of it when we were actually listening to Tina Marie. And so now... I mean, to know that she was actually a part of this and, you know, of course she's no longer with us, then I feel like I'm a part of a history that was bigger than I ever imagined. So She hung out a bit with Rick James. Did you ever meet Rick James at all? I never got to meet Rick. Little Wayne, also in New Orleans, do you ever remember a place called the E&J? Did you ever hang out at a place called the E&J or Club 49? I never hung out at Club 49 because when Club 49 was popping, I was small. I was probably about eight. Nine. I made a bunch of raps about Club 49 when I was that age. Do you remember any of them? Um, nah, I care not to. But uh, I used to just put the, the club in my song, so when an older person hear my raps, they'd be like, what the hell does this little boy know about Club 49? But I'd never been there. I couldn't even tell you how to get there. But uh, E&J, E&J is, uh, that's a spot in, in, in my neighborhood, and uh, my mom actually still hangs there to this day right now. Little Wayne, any luck getting Frank's... It's called ENC. Any luck getting Frank Sinatra's car? Weren't you trying to get Frank Sinatra's car? I was trying to get Frank Sinatra's car. I had uh, my man EI on that situation. I don't know. You know, he EI is getting a little older these days, so I don't know if he just totally forgot about the situation or something like that. But, yeah, I was I was bidding on Frank Sinatra's car. They didn't want nothing but, like, 30000 for it. And uh, I don't know what happened, whatever happened to that situation. Um, I'm so not into collecting cars no more, so I'm not sure if I want it anymore because I got four kids now, so I got to collect little Hot Wheels. Yeah. Little Wayne, lastly, Drake helped set up this interview between you and me. Okay. And I guess I was wondering, could you give a little shout-out freestyle to Drake for setting up this interview? He really went beyond the Call of Duty. He, like, emailed a whole bunch of people. He faxed a whole bunch of people. You name it. All right. Shout out to my man, Drake, coming from your boy, Toon. Thanks for hooking me up with this interview with this crazy-ass dude. Nardward, a human serviette. Yeah, whatever you just said. Well, thanks much, Little Wayne. Keep on rocking in the free world and do-do-do-do-do.
Do do. I fucks with you, homie. Believe that. How long you gonna hold that for? <laughs> you gonna hold it for a long time. <laughs> so I'm gonna stand right here till you finish it. And cut. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're on San Carl and Louisa. At Joe Peep's tire shop. Okay, look, check it out. Come on through the tire shop, yeah. St. Claude and Louisa, Joe Feed is the boss, King Lee is the, ooh. King Lee, featuring Brother Q, oh yeah, yeah, hey Joe, I am Joe, well you all love me.
some of these employees work for Joe P. First of all, I'm King Lee. I'm King Lee. You got Brother Rob. Mr. Glenn is the supervisor. You got Brother James. You got Wildman. You got Rob. You got Brother Tamus. You know, and I can't never leave out Brother Twiney. Twine, twine. Yeah. And you got Brother Greg come around. Brother Greg always come around and kick it with us. Uh, man, you have a variety of them. I don't want to leave nobody out, but I can't call everybody name right now. But Joe Pete is the boss. Joe Pete is the boss. Joe Pete is the boss. I love you, Joe Boy. You good. You try to. You try your best. in the house. Uh, you got my boy. Hey, what's his name? I forgot his name, man. <laughs> yes, indeed. Got brother, brother. Butter, 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 butter. Got my nephew, Dwayne. Now, that's my favorite nephew there. You're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard an interview with Little Wayne and ended by some music with Mr. Lee and Mr. Quintron. Here we have on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with David Johansson of the New York Dolls when he was coming to town a couple years ago. So here we have an interview with 
the New York Dolls, David Johansson. And before David Johansson, to prepare you for David Johansson, hopefully, here is some pale lips from Toronto with Roman. Are you there, caller? Nightwatch, make up your mind. Is it going to be the human scientists or me? You have to make your choice. I'm not going to, like, be second fiddle here. Well, actually, I dumped We Are Scientists. It's David Johansson all the way. I told them. They understood. They understood. <laughs> and who are you? I'm some kind of a man. You are David Johansson from the New York Dolls. Oh, that's right. Now, David, I saw some pictures for the photo shoot for your LP. It looked really interesting. Could you explain that? You were in kind of a neat pink room. It's pink, Nardwar. It's pleasingly pink. Some people might say perturbingly pink, but I think it's pleasingly pink. And I think the word P is pretty important with the New York Dolls and you, David Johansson. For instance, a rhino compilation came out a couple years ago, and it was called From Pumps to Pompadours. And that and did it have personality crisis? And that came out in 1995. So, is the word pink the word that applies to David Johansson? P, the P word applies to David Johansson in this decade? I would say the word Nardwar that I would choose that would be most descriptive would be Pollyanna-ish. Interesting. David Johansson of the New York Dolls. Of all the bands since the New York Dolls, who do you think had the best New York Dolls vibe? For instance, Hanoi Rocks, Motley Crue, Warrant, Poison, Enough's Enough. Who do you think had the best New York Dolls vibe aside from the New York Dolls? I would have to say, and it's going to take a little description because it wasn't a well-known band outside of a four-block area on the Lower East Side of New York City. 
They were known as the Harlots of 42nd Street. This consisted of about five guys. I would say the thinnest among them was about 215, 225 pounds, that is. Most of them were fairly muscular, had large legs, hairy, and wore torn fishnet hose and played a rather out-of-tune, I would call it a vulgar-sounding rock and roll music. They were my personal favorites because I think of anyone who is going to choose drag as a lifestyle, they were probably the most inept. What, Therefore, my favorite. What time frame was this? Just if people want to go back and examine it, would you say, David? Well, the Harlots of 42nd Street came out, I would say, the day after they saw the New York Dolls. They were probably in some kind of a Bachman-Turner Overdrive-esque outfit. David, Could you picture Randy Bachman in a dress, Nardwar? You know, I actually could because Randy Bachman is up for everything. Remember, he's jammed with Lenny Kravitz. He's jammed with the soundtrack of our lives. He's jammed with DOA, the butthole surfers. I could see Randy Bachman pretty much doing anything, actually. Okay, so you could picture him in a dress. Yes, totally. Well, that's kind of what this band looked like. Amazing. They were really great. I mean, in the sense of being so bad, they were fabulous. And we have a caller. Caller, are you there? Yes. Caller, go ahead to David Johansson. Hi, David. Hello, caller. Uh, my name's Bev. And, Hi, uh, Bev. I um, had a question to ask you. Um, when I saw Johnny Thunders here in 1981, I think, at Gary Taylor's Rock Room, somebody asked him what his favorite egg cream was, and he said that it was strawberry. Do you have a favorite egg cream? Well, you know, it's rather pedestrian, but I would have to say the chocolate egg cream Ooh, is yes. probably the most the superior egg cream, I especially think. if it's made with Fox's You Bet syrup. Oh, yeah. And, and, Bev, why did you ask that question of Johnny Thunder? Is it something to do about the album cover, didn't it? Yeah, the, um, I had heard, now I'm not sure if this is true, but I had always heard that your first album cover, The New York Dolls, was taken on the steps of Gem Spa at the corner of 2nd Avenue and St. Mark's Place. Is that correct? Right? That's correct. Oh, good. Whoever told me that was telling me the truth then. Now, Bill. Yeah, Gem Spa is alleged to be the inventor of the egg cream, but, you know, it's a myth, I believe. Oh, yeah. Because there was a guy down the street named Ruby who smoked a cigar and had a big pinky ring, ran a bookie joint on 2nd Avenue, on the other who also side sold egg creams. Oh, yeah. And he claimed to be the inventor of the egg cream. Wow. I'm not totally sure what an egg cream is, David. Well, Nardwar, you take a little syrup. In my case, it would be chocolate. The brand would be Fox's You Bet. Then you put a splash of milk, not a lot of milk. Then you fill it up with seltzer and stir. Serve with a froth and watch the smiles begin. 
very tasty. Bev, I think you also had an internet question that you emailed me earlier. Something about Johnny Thunders and his library card. Do you want to ask that question to David? I don't know if David would know about that. Maybe I could just tell him that when Johnny Thunders came into Canada to play, he came across the border and the only piece of identification that he had was a New York City library card. Yeah, well, he was very bookish. Was he? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you have a hard time getting Johnny to carry ID with him? Did he lose a lot of stuff? Well, that wasn't my job. I think there was a guy who worked with us who, you know, tried to keep everyone's papers in order. But we had a lot of interesting papers, and uh, oftentimes the uh, border authorities would become rather flummoxed and eventually wave us through in exasperation. <laughs> well, thanks so much for phoning in, Bev. Any other questions at all for David Johansson? No, but have a good time in Vancouver, David. He's actually... Well, thank you. Oh, where are you? You're not in Vancouver. He's where am I, Nordwar? You're in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Oh, I'm in Toronto. You're in oh. Toronto, Ontario, Everyone's Canada. rather pleasant here. Yeah. We were at the Commodore Ballroom not too long ago. Oh, yeah. Good place. Saw you there years ago. Good show. What show did you see, Bev? David Johansson at the Commodore. <laughs> I'll have to show you the picture sometime, Nardwar. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks much, Bev, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Click, click. Now, David, speaking of music, you've done hundreds of gigs. Now, I noticed that the New York Dolls, speaking of Toronto, at one time played Toronto and had the band Rush as an opening act. Do you remember having Rush as an opening act for the New York Dolls at all? Vividly. Did you enjoy their prog rock stylings? <clears throat> well, I think, you know, when you get down to it, Nardwan, the thing about Rush that appeals to me is in the vise of one Getty Lee, who I would say, as far as ambassadors of goodwill are concerned, Canada could not do better. He is a man who traverses the world with wisdom, wit, good humor, and I would go as far to say that he's an empath. Caller, are you there? I am. Go ahead to David Johansson of the New York Dolls. Hello, David. Hello. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you got involved with John Journo and the Journo Poetry Systems record series. Oh, well, you know, I guess John thought that I was a bit of a poet and... Uh, he was interested in the stuff I was writing, and we were both kind of, well, he, he more than I, but acquaintances of William Burroughs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess we met at uh, a place they called The Bunker on the Bowery, which was uh, Bill Burroughs' hideout in New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to talking one day, and he asked me if I would uh, make a... Let's, let's be honest about this. If I would give him a free cut for one of his records. Mm -hmm. Tell it like it is, David Johansson. We really appreciate the honesty. Thank you. Um, 
I think I told it. I think but, you did. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I wrote him a tune, and uh, I think I did a couple of tunes with him. Well, thanks for the call, caller. Anything else you want to add out there at all, no, caller? Thank you. You, know, you have a very cultured, intellectual audience, Nardwar. Well, thank you. Only the best for you, David Johansson. When you kept on telling the phone number that perhaps it was me that uh, no one was calling, or perhaps no one was listening to begin with. <laughs> we have people listening, and we have David Johansson of the New York Dolls on the line. Thanks so much, caller, and do 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 loot do One other thing I would like to ask you about, David Johansson. Blackie Lawless of the metal band Wasp, was he at one time ever slotted to be in the New York Dolls? Well, as I recall, Nardwar, one time we were in uh, Florida, and uh, I believe he was a Florida guy, and I believe John was incapacitated, and we had a gig to perform, and I think he filled in for John on one of those gigs in some kind of a redneck country and western bar where they put a cyclone fence in front of the stage so you don't get hit with any heavy flying objects. And then years later, you realized that he ended up in Wasp, or did somebody have to point this out to you, or were you watching TV, and you're like, oh, my God, that guy played with us? I'm not really familiar with the genre. Wasp. They're pretty amazing. They have stuff that, like, drip from their mouth, like blood. He drinks blood live on stage. Well, what? you know what a wasp is. It's a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Am I right? That's one definition. It's also and some... why do wasps go to the hospital, Nardwar? N I'm not sure, David Johansson. Why do wasps go to the hospital? For the food, Nardwar. Ba-boom! And speaking of wasps, etc., David, when did you first become aware of the rock and roll rocker known as Morrissey? He's been wearing Smith shirts and lots of New York Dolls shirts for years and years and years. When did you first become aware of him and know that he was a super fan? When did you first meet him? Well, when I was a young man, and he was still a mere lad, he was the president of the Dolls fan club in the UK and he would send me letters and he would also write rather impassioned letters letters to uh, like the new musical Express and the Melody Maker and you know English rock publications pleading his case of uh, his superior knowledge of music and how the New York Dolls were the far superior band uh, of the times. What I was wondering, David Johansson, was it's fascinating how many people did you communicate with pre-fame that became really famous, like that you met before they got famous. For instance, like you ran in, you know, you had Blackie Lawless play for you. You had a pre-fame Morrissey writing you. What other people did you encounter that became super famous? I would imagine that every gig you played, at every gig, there was some bands that probably sprouted out. For instance, at that gig in Toronto that you played with Rush, I know that members of the punk band The Vile Tones and Teenage Head were in attendance. What sort of people did you meet back then, and do you remember any of them that have gone on to anything today? Well, I know Bo Derek made a big film. Um, Judy Garland, everyone knows about. 
and uh, let me think. Uh, Lana Turner, I introduced her to Johnny Stompanato. And Bette And that's all I can remember. And caller, are you there? Yes. Go ahead to David Johansson, caller. Hello. I just wanted to ask about, um, for a while you were appearing in quite a few movies, and it seems, if memory serves, it was kind of like Bill Murray films and stuff. Or I'm wondering how that came about or who the connection was, because I thought I remember there was a consistency in the stuff you were appearing, whether it was the same director or... Anyway, how'd that come about? Well, one day I was hanging out with Bill Murray, and he said, oh, I'm making a new movie. Do you want to be in it? And I said, yeah. So then I was in his film, and it was kind of a popular film. And then there was a film called Let It Ride, which is kind of a cult film. But it's actually, and I wouldn't say this unless I meant it, it's actually a very good film. But it's really only fully appreciated by degenerate horse gamblers. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like their Bible. Oftentimes, I'll meet a degenerate horse gambler at church or at the library, and they can recite the script verbatim. Wow. And then... From time to time, I would be asked to be in someone's film or other, but it's not something that uh, I did pretty much, you know, as a living or as a passion. It was just something that uh, I was kind of fooling around with. Well, thanks so much, caller. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, caller? No, thanks, Nardwar. Well, thanks, and do do the loot do. On the Dolls CD that Morrissey presented, David, there's a track called Dialogue, where you're talking. I was also looking at the All Dolled Up DVD, and there was a lot of great talking. I love the stories in between songs. Do you still tell a lot of stories in between songs in the New York Dolls? Um, occasionally I move to uh, recant uh, a tale or two, but, you know... We like to keep it rocking, but occasionally I will tell a story about perhaps a hapless situation that Sylvain encountered or something like that. The reason I ask this is the story I heard you talking about was the story behind the song Hoochie Coochie Man. And then it made me think, you've covered some amazing stuff in your solo stuff and with the New York Dolls, obscure stuff that maybe nobody really knows about. You're almost teaching to people, for instance, like Muddy Waters, Little Geneva. You covered Mississippi John Hurt, Richland Woman Blues. You covered Doc Boggs. You've covered Roy Brown, Butcher Pete, you know, Bo Diddley Pills and the New York Dolls, The Coasters, Bad Detective. Where did you learn those things? Like, some of that stuff is really, really rare. I don't know if it was rare back then, but it really shows you have an appreciation in the history for the rock. Are you a record collector scum guy? Are you totally into, like, record collecting? Well, I, I don't really have a huge record collection, but I have, like, a huge Rolodex of songs in my mind. And as I go through life, I hear certain songs, and I say, ooh, I want to sing that song. And then usually I try to find the situation where I can, in fact, sing it. But there's so many great songs around, you know, and a lot of them, I mean, a lot of songs I think people cover are, you know, obvious choices, but I try to cover songs that are kind of like unsung 
masterpieces. They're almost like nuggets, like Lenny Kay's nuggets. Like the total nuggets, exactly. The total undiscovered ones. And I mentioned that even you, when you cover a popular artist like Bo Diddley, you'll pick like Pills, maybe which isn't as popular as some of his other songs. Like I think it's really great. Like you can learn quite a bit from the New York Dolls. On your brand new... The funny thing about that song is Bo Diddley thinks that I wrote it. No. Yeah. Wow. A friend of mine spent about 25 years trying to track down the original of that song. So maybe Bo Diddley is right. Maybe you did write it because it seems to be exceedingly rare. It's on a Bo Diddley album, I believe, called The Originator. I think he might have found it on 45. Does it appear on 45? Oh, maybe? on 45, that would be really great. I think that's why he spent 25 years looking for it. And mm. David Johansson, on your brand new CD, you have a song called Rainbow Store. And it made me think about store. Where did you find the best clothes when you were shopping in the New York Dolls? Like, there's a scene in the All Dolled Up video where you're going to Fredericks of Hollywood. Where did you find the best clothes? Were the clothes made for you? Where were the best clothes? stores and are any of those stores still around well being that we were early movers and shakers in the green movement the ecological recycling movement we would go to a lot of uh, secondhand stores and buy clothing from bygone eras and kind of part them up and make them presentable. When did you first start wearing belly button chains, David Johansson? Um, I would say I started wearing belly button chains in, I think, let me think, who was my teacher? It was Sister Regina. So I would have been in the fourth grade at Sacred Heart School. And one day, she was annoyed with me and she clamped rosary beads to my navel and i thought well that's rather chic and i just kept it up were there ever any new york dolls david johansson new york dolls merchandise like maybe there is today or will there be any new york dolls dolls was there any merchandise for the new york dolls well i've seen dolls new york dolls dolls but I don't know if they were commercially available or if they were just one-of-kind works of art. A caller emailed in a question, and it says, Do you know suicide? Did you ever meet Alan Vega? And the email person says to me that Alan Vega looked pretty much like the New York Dolls. Did you ever meet Alan Vega? Or did you ever hang out with Alan Vega? What do you think of suicide? Because not as many people appreciate suicide as maybe should be, or they kind of slip through the cracks. Well, when we started out with the New York Dolls at the Mercer Arts Center, Suicide was one of the other few bands around New York at the time, and they performed with us many times, and I was also very friendly with Marty Rev. So yes, I knew them both quite well, uh, Marty very well, and Alan too well. David Johansson of New York Dolls, how easy was it to get through airport security back in the 70s? Again, on the all dolled up DVD, you're just walking through airport security, no problem. How easy was it to get through airport security? Well, very few uh, airport security workers were willing to pat us down. So uh, we kind of traveled to and fro as we pleased. Usually, 
they would uh, make a wide path for us. How about those toy guns that you bought? I think you had those at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Did you bring those back with you on the airplane? Were you allowed to carry whatever you wanted? Were you limited with the amount of luggage you could bring back? I'd imagine you probably did a lot of thrift shopping and stuff. Yeah, I don't know if anyone actually uh, packed a rod on the plane. Perhaps, though, they were in the prop case. David Johansson, one thing I want to ask you about the All Dolled Up video was it seems really fun and punk. For instance, the Matrix gig in San Francisco where Arthur Kane, can you explain about Arthur? He's in the background at the gig. I love it. He's not playing in the band because he has a broken arm, but he's on stage. Can you explain a bit about that? That looks, it so, looks like such a fun gig. Was that fun? Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, uh, Arthur had, uh, had an accident, so to speak. And um, I believe um, a group, he tried to cut his thumb off or something. I forget exactly the details, but we couldn't really have a concert without Arthur being on the stage with us because he was kind of the muse of the New York Dolls. And it was great seeing him in the shot. This is all the stuff from the all dolled up Rob Gruen video. Just in the background, kind of singing along. It was just a great, great moment caught on film. And also I noticed the songs were so incredibly punk, like Mystery Girls. What was the reaction from the crowd when you're playing stuff like that? I couldn't quite gauge it. Did they ever yell at you, slow down, play a ballad or anything? Because it is just pounding punk rock. I just think it's amazing for like 1972, 73. Well... The reaction was kind of like, remember the first Palm Sunday when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem on a donkey and they put palm fronds in his bath? I'm it was kind of like that. So is that good or bad? I can't really tell. I think it's good. It's good. They used to throw flowers and, uh, you know, pictures of saints and things like that at us. David Johansson, winding up here, the New York Dolls Halloween party you had at the Waldorf Astoria. You had Wolfman Jack at your party. Was Wolfman Jack really there? Is that what I saw, Wolfman Jack? Yes, actually, uh, Wolfman Jack, he was a friend of ours, and he was uh, broadcasting from our venue, which was the grand ballroom of the Waldorf Astoria, and we were having a costume party. And... uh, he had his radio show was live, and Wolfman kind of went a little OC on inviting people down to come down to this incredible event. And I think at last count, there was 175,000 people had showed up at the Waldorf, and uh, I think the fire department had to come and kind of cool things down a little bit because there was a little trouble with the uh, overcrowding. Now, who didn't know the New York Dolls in New York? How popular were you in New York? How many records did you sell in the New York area? The reason I ask this is like Dick Dale in the 60s, I think, was popular pretty much in California, like sold hundreds of thousands of records right in California. Did you sell the bulkier records in New York? I would imagine you'd be the biggest thing in New York at the time. Who was bigger than the New York Dolls in that Halloween? Uh, I don't think anybody was. Um we were, yeah, the most popular thing in New York, and also we were, you know, very popular in Europe. When you went to Europe, 
What sort of attendance did you get for the gigs? Because I know you played some big gigs there. What sort of attendance did you get versus the gigs you did across North America? For instance, like when you played with Rush or you played Vancouver in the 70s. I'm not sure if you remember that. How many people would come out? Because I'd imagine you'd be successful wherever you went. Were there any bad gigs with the New York Dolls? I mean, attendance-wise? Um, no, attend the attendance was always good. I used to take a head count, and I can't remember ever being dissatisfied. I think, you know, for the cognoscenti, or as I like to call them, the glitterati, we were uh, their favorite band. David Johansson, you also have a song, a new New York Dolls CD, called Gotta Get Away From Tommy. Is that Tommy Ramone you're referring to? <laughs> No, but it could be. But uh, I don't have to get away from him because I stay away from him. But uh, it's about another Tommy. Is it a Tommy that you'd like to talk about? Can we get the story behind Gotta Get Away From Tommy? Well, you know when you're a kid and you're playing with some other kid and the chemistry of the two of you makes kind of like a third monster and something horrible always happens, and then your mother says, I don't want you playing with that kid anymore. Got it. It's one of those situations. Did you ever worry, David Johansson, about upsetting anyone? Like, you once told the Ramones to give up. Do you ever worry about upsetting anyone? Well, you know, when I said that, Nardwar, I didn't say it in a mean-spirited way. I knew Joey. He was a friend of mine, and he had kept telling me that he wanted to start a band. So I said, well, okay, Joey, if you think that's a good idea. And then one day I was rehearsing in the same institution that he apparently was with the new Ramones when they just got together. And he came over to the room I was rehearsing in, and he was very excited to inform me that he had a band and would I come down the hall and listen to them. So I said, well, okay, Joey. So I came down and listened to them. And I have to tell you, I mean, they were making an awful racket. So I suggested, being that he was a nice kid and really bright, that maybe he should find another way to make a living, like perhaps, you know, social work or something, because he's a very sympathetic person. But... I just didn't want him to have to go through all the trials and tribulations that a rock and roll band has to go through. I was looking out for his best interests. Now, thank God he had the passion for rock and roll, which overlooked my short-sighted advice because it turned out he was in one of the greatest bands of history. I like the way, David Johansson, you just tell it like it is. You go there and do it. If you want to do something, you do it. Did you once, David Johansson and New York Dolls, mail your pubes to your psychiatrist? Well, it wasn't my psychiatrist. It was a psychiatrist who was sending me letters imploring me to come and be psychoanalyzed because uh, apparently this individual had witnessed... Uh, one of our programs and thought that I was insane. David Johansson, winding up here, I heard that Sylvain Sylvain's brother-in-law was Long John Baldry. Do you know if this is true? This is correct. 
that's an amazing connection because Long John, God rest his soul, he's passed away now, lived in Vancouver for years. How did that come about? How did Sylvain <laughs> get linked up with Long Gone John Baldry? Well, Sylvain was in a band called The Criminals. Uh, and Rosie was his drummer. And Rosie's brother was Long John's lover. And they moved to Vancouver and set up a nice little love nest. Caller, are you there? Yeah, hi. Go ahead to David Johansson, caller. All right, Mr. Johansson. Hey, were you guys actually uh, managed by Malcolm McLaren, I think. And what was your reaction to when the Sex Pistols came out with Nevermind the Bullocks and they had that song called Pills? Well, first of all, <laughs> this is a two-parter, right? Um, Malcolm McLaren was not the manager of the New York Dolls, but he did make some costumes for us, which we... He, he had a, a wife at the time whose name is Vivian Westwood. She's very good with a needle and thread. And we would call him and see if he could get his wife to make us, for example, some red polyvinyl patent leather pants. And he would facilitate that for us. And then, at one point, being that he was kind of a, a camp follower of the New York Dolls, you'll find camp followers throughout history. The Roman legions had a lot of them. A lot of these Berber tribesmen of today still have camp followers. Anyway, he was a camp follower of the New York Dolls. He was, being an Englishman, really anal. Actually, I should say, a reserved individual. And I think in the presence of the New York Dolls, he would find some kind of liberation that he sought so desperately in his life. And when he glimpsed that liberation, he went back to England and told these young fellows that he was the manager of the New York Dolls, which was fine with me because anything to get a leg up. And then these young fellows went on to make this band, the Sex Pistols. As far as them singing pills, I'm not really familiar with their oeuvre. Caller, I was going to actually ask David Johansson something very similar. I don't know if you heard this caller, but I don't know if you heard this at all, David, but I think Malcolm McLaren, is it true that Malcolm McLaren begged, begged Sylvain Sylvain to be a sex pistol? And did Malcolm McLaren ever beg you to do anything, David Johansson? He begged me to do a lot of things, but I wouldn't be a part of it. And as far as Sylvain is concerned... I think there was some talk about Sylvain being a sex pistol, but I think uh, Sylvain wanted to be a sex cannon. Baboon. Well, thank you, caller. Any other questions for David Johansson at all, caller? Uh, no. Uh, that's it. Well, thanks so much, and do-do-do-do-do. Almost, caller. Do-do-do-do-do. Winding up here, lastly, David Johansson, you You've all... You've been winding up for a while, Nardwar. Well, there's a lot to wind up with the New York Dolls. You wanted to meet David Johansson's best idol, David Johansson, Allen Ginsberg. Did you ever meet Allen Ginsberg? Because I think you wanted to be Allen Ginsberg, didn't you, at one time? Did you ever meet Allen Ginsberg? Yes, as a matter of fact, I, 
I met him in the men's room at the Mud Club, and he said to me, David, I understand they're doing marvelous things with the blues these days. And I said, huh? What's it like, David Johansson, performing with people that have influenced you or that you were totally into? For instance, didn't you do something with Little Richard at the Grammys? Yes, that was heavenly. Um, I think we presented someone with a prize or something. Well, thank you very much, David Johansson. Really appreciate you phoning into the Nardware Human Serviette radio show. I mean, on your CD, you also have a song called Punishing World. I was a bit worried about you, David Johansson, because this is the age of the Internet, is it not? Is it not the age of the Internet right now? That's what they tell me. Uh, everybody, it seems, has an email machine. And your website, davidjohansson.com, is dead. What happened there, David Johansson? I guess whoever put that swine up might, may have either passed away or gone on to another rock star. A lot of people who are David Johansson fans are also very into David Cassidy. And you've actually posed with him before, have you? Or was it Sean Cassidy that you actually oh, knew? Yeah, his baby brother, yeah. And lastly here, I have to ask you, David Johansson, Staten Island, what's that like? Isn't there a museum of Tibetan art on Staten Island? I've never been there. What's the museum of Tibetan art about? Well, did you ever see the film Lost Horizons? No. Well, it's about this group of people who go up into the Himalayas and they find this secret Tibetan village. And when, you, when you're there, you never grow old, but you remain the same, you know, physical beauty that you arrived with. But if you ever leave, you disintegrate into dust. And the same thing happens not only at the Museum of Tibetan Art, but I would say pretty much all of Staten Island. Caller, are you there? Hello? Thank you, caller. Thank you, caller. And do do. Are you pointing that? Are you pointing that antenna towards Hong Kong? I'm caller and do 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 do. Caller, do 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 do. Mr. Johansson. Yes. Quick question for you. Yes. Whatever. What? Whatever happened? Is not a human serviette show here. It's uh, Nardwar talking. Whatever happened to journal poetry systems? Well, caller, actually, if you'd been listening earlier, David Johansson actually answered that question. But go ahead, David, one more time. You know, I think the people of Vancouver are intellectually superior than other places. It's amazing. Two questions about the Giorno poetry system. I think that's fantastic. I think we need new, more poetry that's ready to reveal what the heart is ready to recognize. Well, lastly here, David Johansson, New York Dolls, we're going to end on the song Dance Like a Monkey. Anything else you want to say about the song Dance Like a Monkey? Is there anything I'd like to say about it? Yes. What is the song Dance well, Like a Monkey? it's a good pursuit. Because when one dances like a monkey, 
one begins to take on the characteristics of a monkey. And when you think about monkeys, Nardwar, they kind of hang out in trees, they laze about, they eat bananas, they look at humans who are scurrying willy-nilly off to their mundane jobs, and I think they're chuckling at us. Well, thanks very much, David Johansson. Anything else you want to add to the people out there about anything? Why should people care about the New York Dolls? Why should people care? Because we care, Nardwar. Well, thanks very much, David Johansson. Keep on rocking in the free world and do the loot do. Nardwar.
you're still listening to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. You just heard an interview with David Johansson. And here again is a record by the Pale Lips. I'm going to try again. Don't take your switchblade to New York by the Pale Lips. Thank you, Jackie, for sending this seven inch. And then some astrology featuring David Crosby of the birds telling you all about Leo on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. sign in the zodiac 
Your ruling planet is the sun. Your key word is grapes. Your symbol is the lion. As a Leo, you're allied to the ruler of the solar system. You burn brightly like the sun. You're a natural host or hostess and can usually make friends instantly. But if you become proud of your natural abilities, you'll find yourself becoming arrogant and losing everything that's yours by right. Leo is a fire sign, and therefore you'll get along well with Aries and Sagittarius, your sister signs. But don't deprive yourself of exciting relationships in favor of just sympathetic ones. Look for an air sign to provide you with a stimulating romantic partnership. Air and fire are combustible. As a Leo, you have a highly developed love of beauty and gaiety. You're a practical person. Common sense and realistic attitudes are your strong points. But you can easily become unreceptive to the ideas of others. You must keep an open mind and not let the lion in you make you always want to be king. A famous contemporary Leo is Mick Jagger. Your lucky day is Sunday and your lucky number is five. Your gem is the ruby, your color is gold. With your magnetic personality and natural courage, there's no reason why you can't be financially successful. A Leo usually attracts money like a magnet, but you'll also find a strong desire in yourself to display your wealth. And with too much display, you'll wind up with nothing. Remember to always guard against excessive pride. A Leo woman seems to know instinctively how to choose clothes. She can wear bright, contrasting colors to advantage and will look best in casual sports clothes. And the Leo man, more than any other sign, can wear bright colors in the newest fashions. He should avoid, however, picking clothes to show off and choose fashions that make him look his best. If you're a Leo, you may find it difficult to keep your attention fixed on school or study, but you have a strong will and can conquer the problem with perseverance. You may find languages your favorite subject. When we asked David Crosby of the birds his feelings on astrology, he came up with this. Well, it seems to me that uh, the stars must have some effect, you know. I mean, they're there and they radiate, you know, probably on a lot of different levels. But uh, I must say that uh, I'm a Leo, and I've never, ever met another Leo that was even vaguely anything like me. If you were born August 22nd to September 22nd, you are under the sixth sign in the zodiac known as Virgo. Your ruling planet is Mercury. Your key word is order. Your symbol is the Virgin. As a Virgo, you're possessed of a methodical, sensitive nature. Since you're ruled by Mercury, you're bound to have a vigorous and acute mind. Thus, you have tremendous organizational abilities. However, you must watch a tendency to become cool and aloof in order to protect your sensitivity. Virgo is an earth sign. You'll find yourself on friendly terms with most members of your sister signs, Capricorn and Taurus. For romance, water signs will bring out the best in you, and you'll find yourself able to share your deepest secrets with them. 
you may find yourself as a Virgo burdened with a certain amount of selfishness. Just use your Mercurian mind to realize that sharing will make you happier than hoarding. Your nature makes you very prone to be hurt easily, but you must be very careful not to overcompensate. A Virgo who has maintained balance is Cass of the Mamas and Papas. Your lucky day is Wednesday, and your lucky number is three. Your gem is sapphire, your color is green. With your organizational abilities, you should, as a Virgo, have no trouble attaining financial security. However, if you're hoping for riches, you'll have to use all your Mercury wits and Virgo patience to do it. Virgo women are known as excellent wives and homemakers, so they should choose their clothes to accentuate their womanliness. Pale, soft colors are best. And the Virgo man should choose, when possible, to wear well-tailored suits in subtle checks. Dark, rich earth colors will look well on him if they're mixed with green. With your ability for hard work and mental quickness, you should have no problem with school or study. You may find that your favorite subjects are the social sciences. Astrology is happening, man, and all that some people did was they broke it down mathematically, symbolically, so that somebody could read astrology, but you can feel astrology, and that's how I believe in it. Do you think it's like a trend and people are starting to pick up on it now than ever? Um, yeah, it's, it perhaps is kind of a trend that people are picking up on that symbology, uh, perhaps exchanging it for other symbols that they've been into. That's what's been happening. <laughs>